0: Hello, and welcome to the EOS Podcast, where we interview top-notch entrepreneurs and inspire you to take action. So welcome back to the Evolution of Success Podcast. Today we are here in Dayton, Ohio, sitting with the founder and current CEO of Mutt Sauce, Charlinda Scales. Charlinda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, guys.
1: So we like to start off every episode by doing a quick 60-second introduction on our guests. Of course if there's anything important that you feel we have left out feel free to correct us at the end so charlinda is an air force veteran turned entrepreneur while working in the air force charlinda stumbled upon her grandfather's beloved and secret barbecue sauce recipe charlinda was faced with a tough decision she could buy the car that she had been saving for or she could use that money to launch her business she chose the latter charlinda then toward- turned towards the small business community of dayton ohio in search of guidance and mentorship they recommended a co-packer to produce and bottle her sauces. She then partnered with Garden Harvest who produced the original 700 bottles of Mutt's original sauce. After selling the first 700 bottles to family and friends, her mentors advised her to reinvest her profits back into producing more sauce. From there she began to scale her business and in what year was it again?
2: 2013. In
1: 2013 Mutt's Sauces won Bob Evans Farm's annual Heroes to CEOs contest, where Charlinda had the opportunity to meet with world-renowned businessman and investor Damon John. Since then, Charlinda's continued to grow Mutz Sauces, which is now in several stores nationwide, and is, in, and is available for purchase on Amazon. So anything else you'd like to add?
2: Uh, Bob Evans was 2017, sorry. 2017. And then, <laughs> um, you know, we've just been scaling ever since then. It's been a really great experience uh, to, to grow in the Dayton area.
0: Yeah. And so as you think back and sort of your entrepreneurial journey, uh, what sort of resources would you say have helped you the most?
2: Um, Well, it started out really with SCORE. So SCORE.org is the website, but there's a chapter, I think, in every major city. Dayton has one, and that's where I went to get my initial mentorship so I, I walked in and i said my grandfather gave me a piece of paper and they said you should start a business I'm like with a piece of paper so yeah they took that piece of paper but they gave me a checklist and i'm very checklist oriented so it helped me just as to not be overwhelmed by the, the process of owning a business mm-hmm. just to go step by step and, and not really think just do yeah and it was stuff like file your LLC um, research food process authorities things that had to do with food business so what they were telling me was a checklist for starting a tomato based food product being manufactured that was the checklist okay Uh, and along the way they also give you a peer mentor and my peer mentor owned a salsa company her name was Peggy and Peggy had been here for like ten years selling her salsas and she said the process for making salsa was the same process for mm. making any sauces. So, huh.
1: How fast did that process move from like your first SCORE meeting to mm. getting a mentor and then moving into like actually producing sauces?
2: Well thank you for the question. <laughs> I, um, so my, my mentor was John Suter and John Suter is still there at SCORE if anybody wants to go see him. But he he said something that always stuck with me. He said, we move at the speed of determination. Hmm. And I asked him how fast that was. He was like, however determined you are to make this happen is how fast oh. it will happen. So a sauce, like a sauce co-packaged sauce, something that's manufactured by someone else, usually takes about a year. Uh, but we launched in four
1: months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That really shows the determination behind that. Yeah,
2: yeah it But it was, you know, I tell people you have to... You have to listen to people who have more experience than you. Mm -hmm. Because when Peggy was sitting down with me, I know I probably said two words the whole meeting. She talked the whole time about her experience and people that she knew. She basically handed me her Rolodex. And that's why it was so easy because you spend so much time in the beginning researching. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to find the right manufacturer. You're trying to find the right labeler. You're trying. To... She's like, nope. I spent ten years doing this, and so I'm going to take my ten years of research and hand it to you. And,
0: and you found her through Score, correct? Right. Okay.
1: And, and that's a common theme in business is really mentorship and have like accelerating the process through other people's mistakes, which is part of what we're we're trying to help people with this podcast. Is maybe if they are starting their business, what pitfalls can we help them avoid in the future? Okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so um, obviously, you know, you have an extensive military background. So, you know, coming from the military, now starting your own business, what sort of traits do you think, or maybe things that you've learned from the military that have translated well in the business environment?
2: Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to have the military experience. My family was a forward generation. I was the fourth generation to go into the military. That was not my plan. Entrepreneurship was not my plan. Nothing that we'll probably talk about today was in some plan when I was younger, but you just roll with it. So when I I was talking to my cousin and in my my generation, it's the discussion at the kitchen table is when you turn 18, what are you going to do? Yeah, because your parents have already established you can't stay here. You've got to yeah. go. You're getting out. <laughs> Get out of my house. So yeah. some way. <laughs> So um, my cousin, he signed up for the Marine Corps, and I thought, okay, our generation has checked this block. Thank you, Dewan. and I wanted to go to Clemson and play soccer. That was, that was my goal. That was what I really wanted to do. I was a jock. So um, luckily a jock that had good grades because his mom cared about her grades, but when he got hurt, it was about the time that I had a decision to make of what I was going to do. In college, I just torn my ACL mm. to shreds in a soccer game. Mm. The very first one of senior year, in fact. Oh my gosh! And so you're sitting there thinking, the scouts, <laughs> yeah. the scouts will stick around. No, no. <laughs> they were nowhere to be found, at all. Man. So I was sitting. I was sitting in a class. I was sitting in a math class, not paying attention to the teacher, and this guy in the back of class was filling out an Air Force ROTC, a Reserve Officer Training Corps. Uh, applications. Basically, you get a four-year degree, they pay for it, and then you owe them four years of service because they paid for college. Mm. He's like, this application is hard because you had to do stuff. And I was like, <laughs> all I ever do is go to a different, I was doing Girl Scouts and all kinds of crazy stuff student yeah. council. So I erased his answers and filled it out, and I was walking down the hallway, and my guidance counselor had been checking on me to see like, how are you doing emotionally? Like, basically, all your plans down the toilet overnight so she was just checking on me right and uh i said i filled out this application i don't know she's she's like oh can i see it yeah sure and she she filled it out and the next thing you know you know well the waterfall effect end up getting a full ride to go to go in so um the journey to getting into the to the air force i it has its moments, right? So when you think about what do you gain as a veteran entrepreneur, it's sometimes the worst things that you've been through that are the assets to you being an entrepreneur. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that was in the 10 years that I served on active duty, I'd been through a lot. I was an acquisition program manager. And what that is, is basically a team leader. So, in the military, I had a team that was made up of engineers, scientists, loggies, you, you name it. It mm-hmm. just depends on what platform you were working on at the time right. or what your team looked, on, looked like. But I remember being 23, is 23? Yeah. I was 23, and uh, the California wildfires happened in uh, 2008, and they called me. Like, I was one of four program managers, and it was a side project that I was working on in Georgia, and they said, you'll never really have to activate this program unless, like, there's some major forest fire that the fire service can't put out, and they need federal support. And that's exactly what happened. It was Governor Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) had um, called the president and said, we need federal support. Do you have any firefighting programs? The next thing I know... My world that went from being easy peasy, <laughs> mm. coming into work and doing what I do every day, to you're writing for a four star, all the reports that you'll see on the news every day. You're, yeah. you're doing all this stuff at 23 years old. What 23? What other 23-year-olds yeah, right. are having to put out <laughs> the filing, <Yeah. laughs> save lives in California? Every time you turn on the news, if the fire was still going, you felt like you were failing. If a house burned down. You failed. If a life was lost, you took it personally. Yeah. So, though that is an example of the type of things that, the moment you step into that military uniform, they don't care about your age. They don't care about where you came from. You're here now. You've signed up. You're Mm going to do this. Yeah. It's the same way when you decide that you're going to do a business. You're going to own your own business. You have to have that mentality of this is my mission. I will not be deterred by any barrier. I'm gonna find a workaround. You have to get it done. Yeah. And that's the advantage that I think, to answer your question, that's the, the advantage that veterans have because they've had to step up to the plate mm. so many times yeah. Yeah. for so many years and almost like abandon their emotions at times because it's, it's emotional. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you can, you can have some really tough times that'll make you really wanna give up, but mm-hmm. that's just, the failure is not an option mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Okay. That I think is the advantage.
0: Yeah. And how did you deal? Because you said that you kind of t- took it personally when you see when you saw that death toll rise, right? Mm-hmm. So how did you internalize and, and really, in in control all of those negative things that you were feeling inside of you? Well,
2: I, I, I tell people it's the blessing and the curse that military people are good at one thing, and it's called compartmentalization. Mm. And you can put it in a box. Yeah. Everything, in a box and you deal with whatever the situation at hand is and then you can either come back and open that box and deal with it Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't a lot of times we just like "Mm, i'm just gonna shove that in the closet it just builds
0: up it builds up yeah Yeah, so
2: that's when you see like the challenges that we have to or that we have tons of boxes that we have not dealt with that we've just shoved in a closet and Mm -hmm. at any moment it could be some invisible trigger that we don't even know what right. it is but it, it pops up and it, it, it you have to you have to just be ra- reactive and a lot of times it's it's personal stuff yeah it's always the emotion feely stuff right. and um, i i I know. I, I was really horrible at it. I was really like a an avoiding kind of personality. I still even today yeah. have to manage that feeling of, yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's just <laughs> let's just, just keep it moving. Right. But, um, you know, I, I think I think that that's still you know, the compartmentalization has its advantages mm-hmm. because life happens when you're owning a business people have kids they have marriages they have things that um on the outside if you're not working this business every day it's hard to really understand an entrepreneur if you haven't done it Mm -hmm. Uh, it's hard to understand when they're up at three o'clock in the morning crunching Mm -hmm. numbers and you're like it's three in the morning what are you doing yeah yeah so you know they compartmentalize but it's a good thing and but it's
1: so what advice would you give to someone who's currently serving our country and is considering starting a business? Do
2: it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, well, I would say the caveat is, you know, the biggest thing I, I've been speaking about lately, because I've, I've delved into this world of public speaking, is you got to know why. You know, I think Simon Sinek made this, he, he wrote a book on knowing your why, but... Really, it's so true, yeah. and I I will cosign on that any day, is <laughs> if you don't know why you're doing this, then you've already failed. Like, just stop, collect your $200, don't go past out Like, you have to know, because when you don't have any money, and... The realization hits you that this is not the Instagram version. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not the Bugatti and the vacation home, the Ty Lopez type stuff. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? It's not like that. It just is not. And um, maybe for a couple people it is, but for the majority of us, it's not. Hmm. And if you don't know why you started, it's hard to keep going. Right. And for me, it was the realization that this is about legacy, this is about passing something on, this is about securing something for my family, Mm -hmm. and that's worth all the strife that I'll experience along the way. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was bigger than yourself. It was
2: bigger, yes. It was about your grandfather,
1: wasn't it? Right,
2: and and, um, you know, there's a back and forth over the word humble, and you know, is that like a cop-out, like, I I just saw a forum online where they were Debating over humility being a good word or a bad word. But I was like, my grandfather told me something when I was a kid. He said, humility will take you farther than money. And I didn't understand that as a six-year-old. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. I grew up in Tennessee. I grew up with my grandparents. We all lived together. There's 10 of us in a two-bedroom house. So humble beginnings on a farm. Mm-hmm. But spending most of my days walking with him in the mornings. And he's just downloading Korean Vietnam War, all his stuff that normally would be handled by some PTSD program (laughs) on a six-year-old, and you don't, you know, it's stuff that you hang on to when you're older that you're like, wow, that was really profound. Like, how do I remember? I'm glad I remember that, but what did that mean? Yeah, but it's it was only applicable after I started the business when he said humility will take you farther than money because you're you're not going. If you're motivated by money,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you're you to be a really rich, sad person. Right. And some of the poorest people I've ever met have, like, the fattest bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just sad every day. is painful for them. Mm-hmm. And I never understood how you could see these people. At first, I'm like, how could someone like a Kate Spade or Anthony Bourdain, like, you made mm-hmm. it to everybody else? Exactly. You There's can-
1: absolutely no correlation between... Happiness and, and wealth, I mean, right. they're, they're, they're completely different. They're separated.
0: Exactly. But because of social media, everybody thinks otherwise. Yeah. So.
1: Because when you see those people like Tai Lopez posting pictures with their Lamborghinis and yachts, <laughs> they always have a smile on their face. Yeah. yeah. But we don't know what their emotions are like on the inside. I mean, are they actually happy?
0: Right. And of course, everyone has a story as well. Everybody you know what I mean? Story. Everyone's going through things that aren't, aren't relevant on the surface, if you will. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that, you know, what's, I, what's your advice for kids that are more our age? Because when we talk about finding your why, mm-hmm. I mean, our minds can go a lot of different places, right? Yeah. And I think that's a hard concept for kids our age to grasp, right? Mm. So what, do you have anything that could maybe help people our age to start to think about what their why is, maybe why they're doing something, right?
2: Well, you know, entrepreneurship really is about solving a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, my grandfather, he, even with the sauce, he wanted to solve a problem. He hated condiments. He actually hated them. <laughs> he said people are wasteful. Yeah, You have like 10 of them, half of them are probably expired in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. hang out, you yep. know? They yeah. just sit there. Waste of space. Waste of space. Yeah. So he wanted to make something he knew that his family would use all the time, mm-hmm. whether it was breakfast, lunch, or dinner. So maybe his why wasn't like. As grandiose as secure legacy for your whole family, right? But he was still motivated to solve a problem, and I think that, I think that the people of the world who are just coming into their twenties, maybe still teens, like I've seen inspirational people your age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's very possible for you to have an invention, or a product, or a thought that could change the world. It may be simple, it may be simple, yeah. but you don't know how big it is until you execute it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if there's any advice I would tell, tell you guys just, if you notice that something needs to be fixed, or something needs to be, uh, a problem needs to be solved, if you feel that, whatever that is that drives you to the point of insanity,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's just like a writer. So they always say, like, there's no, uh, was it Maya, uh, Angelo, she was talking about there's no greater agony than to bear a, a story that's been not told, mm-hmm. an untold right. story. Yeah, Because yeah. you walk around with it every day. It's in your head, floats okay. around. Absolutely. It's the same way entrepreneurs feel is just... I have to fix something. This is getting on my nerves. Mm. I can't go to sleep without thinking about this. Yeah, and I would just say follow that. That that's my advice is follow that feeling, um, and take your time. It doesn't have to be overnight. But if you take little steps towards
1: one step at a time, doing it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you interpret that phrase from your grandfather? Humility will take you farther than money. What does that mean to you?
2: Well, you know, I started with a piece of paper (laughs) and that's why I try to remind everybody this whole thing, whatever they see on social media, whatever they see me accomplishing, started with a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. a one handwritten recipe on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And there's so many times in our lives that we've been given something or something has been passed along to us. And it's not that the object is valuable. It's the fact that you perceived it as valuable. So however great that you perceive a piece of paper to be is actually how how viable it becomes. So he was telling me like it's humility. At this age, I feel like if you're just genuine and authentic, mm-hmm. you can be in rooms with people that other people have paid thousands of dollars to be in that room. Mm-hmm. All you did was be a good person and be grateful. Yeah. And they put you in the room. Yeah. So um, there's the book that came out. And we can talk about that at some point. But Dave and John wrote a book called Power Shift. It comes out on March the 10th. And it is about transforming your life from going from one situation to a better situation. Or how you turned your whole life around. But you made a shift. That was the thing. Yeah. You made a shift. It started here in your mind and here in your heart's decision intangible determination and when I saw the list of names on the promo I actually found out when everybody else did really yeah so when everybody else was like oh my God, gosh I'm like oh my god (laughs) 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 oh my god what's my name doing on the (laughs) list but to me that was the ultimate example of I didn't spend thousands of dollars I didn't up until this point I actually had a zero marketing budget Wow! In my business, organic. It was just organic. Yeah. Just going out and talking to people and feeding them. So when you when you look at like what investment do you have to make? Just invest in being a good person. Yeah. Invest in being genuine because you wouldn't believe how many people at the top are tired of, of meeting BS people or people who just they huh. want something. They're trying to get. I never something thought out of that. It. Yeah, that is really right? interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, when you're in you, that
1: position. Right.
2: Especially if you're a Shark Tank person. Like, if you're a Shark Tank person, how many business owners meet you yeah. and don't want anything from you?
1: Besides publicity. I mean, they talk about that. Damon was posted about that the other day, how a lot of people just want the publicity for being on the show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They're not there to get a deal.
1: Right. It's chasing the clout.
2: <laughs> they just, they just want to air. And there was, you know, I went to Shark Tank. I can say it now, I think, because my NDA has expired. But um, I went to Shark Tank when our company was six months old. And we got rejected. Yeah.
0: You presented. Hmm? Oh wow. In front
2: of all the sharks. I didn't know that. He was the only one that wasn't there, which was very interesting. Yeah. Because to see me now.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, having been able to to meet him through Bob Evans, it all comes back. And you know, you shouldn't get discouraged along the way because some people look at their first big failure and they're like, Oh my God! Well, I'm just gonna put mm-hmm. in the towel. I spent right. almost seven months getting ready for Shark Tank from the time they called me initially and I pitched it was May the time the day that I got booked to appear was September in 2014 wow huh. so all that time was almost every week with the producers was prepping for Shark Tank only to get there and they go nah thank you for coming huh. and then Man. my episode didn't air so they overtape about 100 wow. Oh, wow so it's not like you know They've auditioned about 35,000. They've accepted maybe 200. They might air one third of those.
1: And of the third that they 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 air, not they not invest they get in a deal. all of them, right? No,
2: they didn't invest in all of them. And the other thing I learned is that the deal on the show is not an actual deal. Like it's a real investment. They're going to make a real investment, but they're not going to just shake your hand after this talking paperwork. to you for 10 minutes, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> right. And yeah.
2: and just signed up to give you all this money. No. We actually have a couple of companies that have been on Shark Tank that they got the deal on TV, but then the shark pulled out afterwards. and oh, said really? You know, after we reviewed your finances and stuff, this was not a good investment for us. So,
0: imagine imagine that happening to you. Right? Oh my gosh! Yeah,
2: it's happened. But it's... you know, you can't go to you definitely can't go to Shark Tank needing money right now because the due diligence process is months long. That's the legal part of it; it's months long. So you can't. I wouldn't. I would not advise people to go there. Yeah. When,
1: when is broke. the time to go there?
2: Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't advise you to go when you're like broke, broke, like need it tomorrow because that's an unrealistic expectation to right. think that it's it's an instant thing. It's yeah. not an instant thing. But I learned a lot just auditioning for Shark Tank. And I feel like even that gave me an added advantage in running my business after that. Because in the end, I remember – not getting the deal, but they said, do you know how much our consulting fees are? And that was the light bulb. No. I was like, God, y'all are, I mean, Mark Cuban. Imagine, yeah, paying you for imagine? all five of those to consult with you for just yeah. 10 minutes. And so they're like, we want to just sit here and give you some advice. And I was like, they're about to give me hundreds of thousands of dollars Listen of up. advice yeah. for free. Yeah. And so I just sat there, just like in the beginning, close your mouth, open your ears. <laughs> I said, y'all just bring it on. And so that's what they were telling me that, it was basically, it came down to, I was the first active duty Air Force person to go on Shark Tank. Hmm. And people were probably like, well, there's been tons of military people not active duty though. Hmm. So I was still on a military contract. So what happens is, if you're serving your country and you're on a military contract, that is your number one priority. Hmm. and. When they found out that I was auditioning for Mutt Sauce, for auditioning Mutt Sauce for um, Shark Tank, the the military chain of command was involved the whole way. Wow. Hmm. So they were getting back briefed on everything the producers were doing. They were getting back briefed on all my talking points. And I had my... Company points, what I had to know, my numbers, yeah. I had with the producers, because the producers are ultimately going to be like, you know what's really cool to say on TV? Right. Hi, try this catchy phrase. Yeah. They're trying to yeah. make it good Rating. for TV. Interesting, yeah. 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 But then the military was like, here's our list of things that you will say absolutely verbatim if we ask you anything about your career. So if they ask you anything about acquisitions, here is the current acquisitions mission statement and you say it verbatim if you if they say um do you like your job i absolutely love serving my country <laughs> you know yeah. there's like talk, mm-hmm. you know they're yeah. like absolutely not you will never bottom line quit your job on tv <laughs> yeah
1: that makes sense have you ever seen yeah. those guys it who makes like, sense though yeah yeah
2: have you ever seen those guys that they and like, they call they call the are like go middle finger up to your boss say yeah. goodbye right now <laughs> he's like i'll do it yeah. i'm all in so like you will not do that so I knew that a, the couple sticking points, if I were to play devil's advocate, was you can't quit your job on TV, but they look at it as, are you all in? Would you abandon everything right. and focus on this? It's mm-hmm. not that I wouldn't. I can't. Yeah. And so you have a couple of sharks on the panel that look at that as, oh, this is you're a wantrepreneur.
1: Can you say you would? Are you allowed to say, like, I will, but I have a contract?
2: Yeah. I, well, I was trying to... Find a workaround. So I was like, I, I said, well, at this point, I have a higher priority, mm-hmm. but it is something that I'm here to to pitch because it's something I eventually want to do. Yeah. yeah, So I was trying to pitch, like, let's not talk about today. Let's talk about, like.
1: And that's not what they want to hear. <laughs> right. Yeah, they I mean, didn't yeah. want to
2: hear that. So I almost knew that when I got there, it'd be more of convincing them mm-hmm. that I was, Mm -hmm. serious about it. It wasn't a hobby.
1: Beyond all of the challenges of the tank, you had that added thing on you. (laughs) Right.
2: But, you know, that's what it eventually came down to. They're like, "Mm, well, you'll know when the right time comes, (laughs) but it ain't today. Wow. (laughs) And, you know, to go fast forward to 2017 to see, you know, they said, surprise, your mentor is Damien John. You're like, oh my God, Mm. how? Yeah. Didn't spend a lot of money. Didn't spend any money. Just... Kept going.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. There's
2: power and just not giving up.
1: What was some advice? Because you said that they gave you sort of some consulting time. What's like some of the things you took away from that, like specifically for yeah. your business? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, sales is always a big thing. Um, I think they were impressed by the fact I had made $30,000 in gross by the t- or? Uh, yeah, by the time that I had gotten there, it was six months.
1: Is that revenue or profit?
2: Uh, so that was revenue. Okay. So that wasn't profit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the $30,000 in sales, when you're in the small town of Dayton...
1: Proof of concept. And right. I only
2: had eight stores. Yeah. So, they're in... You're looking at not Ohio, not even yeah, Green County, not little, even... Dayton. Yeah, yeah. they're like, you were able to do that in this small little town. What would you be capable of doing? If
1: six you, stores. You were, A yeah. scale, six stores, I mean...
2: So... Um, they were impressed by that, but they were just saying you have to be smart about your business strategy and scaling it. Um, eight stores is, is good for now, but it's not gonna get you to yeah. you know, ultimately where you wanna be. So they were just talking about that. Um, I think if you have a product, you have to think about the scalability of that product. Mm-hmm. Where I was, they said, do you know what the maximum is that they can do per batch? I didn't know that. I mm-hmm. actually didn't know that answer. So, uh, luckily, they didn't ask me while we were taping. But I had to think about when was the point I was going to outgrow that manufacturer because no shark is looking at Green County. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're not looking yeah. at Green <laughs> yeah. Montgomery County. Um, but they want you to be able to paint the vision. Like, have you thought three to five years? Yeah. yeah. That's, Down the road.
0: And so overall, if you look at that shark-taking experience and working for so many months and then not getting the deal in the end, what lessons did you take from
2: that? Well, they didn't want me to internalize it as failure. That was one thing. Because a lot of them, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, they have a psychiatrist on the staff. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. And at first I was like, why the heck would you need a psychiatrist? And then I was sitting in my dressing room and the guy was going postal in the wow. dressing room next to me. He had just done his interview and was like cussing, throwing stuff. His oh wife was trying to calm him down, mm-hmm. and it was because. And the, the thing was, he got a deal. I'm like, the guy got a deal. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But it was because he felt like he didn't represent himself the way that he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he didn't pitch himself. Yeah. The way that he wanted to, that maybe he'd come off on air looking different. And I was like, they can make you look however you want.
1: Yeah, you, know? you don't have a choice in that. He have a right. Choice, but you're yeah. just losing
2: his stuff. And, then, and you hear, hi, okay, this is the psychiatrist. I was like, oh, that's why they, <laughs> 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 yeah. that dude is why they have a psychiatrist. But you can't internalize failure. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs that go out there and do speeches and stuff, but it is really um, embracing it. And saying that this is a lesson learned, mm-hmm. and this is a journey. It, it was not the climax. It doesn't happen in six months. So, right. if you think that this was it, yeah, you're gonna give up. Yeah, I guarantee you're gonna give up. So that's that was the okay. big thing.
1: Like it's, it's about reframing what is yeah what is failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well, you didn't get a deal because today. that wasn't failure for you. I mean, you went on to. I mean, the business is. It's. But what if I, I looked
2: at it like. If I don't make it on Shark Tank, then I don't make it.
1: And some people would look at it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: And where would they be a couple months after that? Exactly. Right? right? It's all about your perspective and your. And
1: that gets back to th- yeah. personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, kind of to wrap things up here, what's like one of your favorite moments from Mutt Sauces? Like, as, as you've grown this company, what was oh, yeah. your favorite moment?
2: Favorite moment?
1: Or maybe decisive is it better.
2: Mm. <laughs> I've had a lot. It probably isn't what people expect either. Hmm. Um, I've just really enjoyed the journey, you know? Because everything that's happened after the piece of paper has been a surprise. Hmm. So, like the bicycle cards, we got a tour of the US playing card factory and hmm. found out we were one of 52 companies to be featured in a official deck of cards. So, we <laughs> were the four of hearts. I'm like, hmm. we're forever like that's the so four good. of hearts. And, yeah. But it's all, it's all been wonderful. You know, there was this, I could go on all day, guys, about the, the things that have happened, but now it's, it's taking something that started as something small and noticing how you can shift your mindset and say, this can impact people, this can in, impact a whole nation. Uh, and, and it can change American families mm-hmm. and, and just the power of of the movement itself. It started to cease being about sauce and being more about impact to other people. Huh. Yeah, And that's where we're at today. So if you see some of the projects we've done, back last May, we had the tornadoes in Dayton. Oh, yeah. You guys remember? Yeah. Absolutely. It, did, it was a
1: nationwide it headline. It was crazy. Gosh, yep.
2: it was awful. But, you know, I was learning that there were people who did not qualify for FEMA funds, which were Hmm. the emergency funds, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who had their houses passed along to them by friends and family, but they didn't pass along the legal ownership Uh, paperwork. So when you go to FEMA and you say, I need need some recovery funds, they're like, well, show us the deed to your house. Oh, well, it was grandma's house, let me, I don't have the paperwork, well, you can't have any funds, so you just lost your house. Wow. So to be able to look at the situation, say we have a problem, And I now have a product that can solve another problem. I teamed up with um, Still Rights, which is a distillery out in Fairborn, Ohio. They make Mm -hmm. custom bourbon. And I said, people have been asking about a special edition flavor. Now, I didn't have the capital to just pop off thousands of bourbon bottles right (laughs) then. But I said, maybe we'll pre-order it. So we set up pre-orders for a couple months. And then we took those funds and we manufactured a batch and all the sales went to fill in the gap of the people who didn't get money. Uh-huh, okay. And to say, really here's, cool. here's money. Yeah, There's a gift card or whatever it was. So that was, to be able to give back is I think the biggest thing. And to help other entrepreneurs, uh, not with just the company, but myself. Mm-hmm. I've traveled the country speaking about entrepreneurship. I have gone to conferences, there's a big one coming up called Military Influencer Conference, which I never would have considered myself any sort of influencer, but I think it's just about making an impact mm-hmm. and focusing on that. And um, I got to do a TED Talk, which was crazy, I'd never done one before, and, but I did one last spring. And um, and then just using your journey to, to help people get out of a rut mm-hmm. because they think because I'm a mom, because I'm a military veteran or whatever they're in their head, they're internalizing it as a barrier
0: mm-hmm. to
2: not be able to do these things. Yep. Right. And I'm using my life as a testimony to show them I'm all of those things mm-hmm. and that's why I'm able to do it. Yes. So I want you to just change your mindset and say, I'm able because of this. I'm able, I have PTSD and I'm able to reach people because of my PTSD. I'm, you know, a single mom, but I'm able to reach a whole group of mompreneurs because I'm a mom, you know? So that, I'm like, I could go on (laughs) all day about how exciting it is to unlock people, Mm -hmm. just to really just... I feel like I'm walking around with a set of master keys. <laughs> like, yeah, you can do this. I believe in you because if I, country girl from the hills of Tennessee, can take a piece of paper and do all this, oh yeah, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. You certainly yeah. can do
1: it. Absolutely. Where can people find your sauces and learn more about your company?
2: Sure. They can go on muttsauce.com. Uh, you can go on Amazon and look up muttsauce. Uh, we have three flavors online. Original sweet and spicy and ghost pepper. We did... We do um, gluten-free every now and then, but we're probably gonna get discontinue gluten-free. Uh, you can go to any Kroger store in the Cincinnati division. And what else? There's independent stores around here, like Second Street Market and Dorothy Lane that people love to go to and get them there too. So yeah, awesome. just trying to keep options open for you.
1: Guys. Well, well, thank you for being on our on our podcast. and. And thank you for your service to our country. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank Thank you you very much.
2: You guys are doing big
0: things. (laughs) Gotta start somewhere.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening. By the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Evolution of Success on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star and write a review if you haven't already. Lastly, if you have any questions or suggestions, you can always reach us on social media at EOS Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.